The Money Show. The Africa Business Report. Our Africa Business Report brought to you by RMB, your corporate and investment banking partner, traditional values, innovative ideas. Diana Games is with us this evening. She's chief executive at the business consultancy Africa at Work. And such an interesting story this evening, Diana Games, as one supermarket group withdraws from Nigeria, and it's a, it's a two or three year process, another is preparing to make its way in. Well, that's right, Bruce. Uh, it's a, um, I, I don't think I can compare with the drama that you've just, we've just heard, but um, hopefully we can try with this. It's actually, I think, a, pretty much a breaking story. I'd be, I'd be battling to find any proper information about it, but it seems they've just opened um, about two or three weeks ago uh, in Lagos, pick and pay that is, sorry. And um, they've opened their first store in Nigeria. They have been talking about it for a couple of months now. It's obviously a long process. Um, to prepare for such a thing in a faraway and difficult market. Uh, but now it's open, and I've seen a couple of stories, people saying how great it is for Lagos, etc. Um, and they believe that they have a model that's going to be different from other South African retailers who have really opted to go into the the shopping uh, into the shopping mall model, which is which is you know big stores um, in in the in the mall sort of model, which is not um, a common one in Nigeria. So what they are opting for is neighborhood stores. So they've got smaller stores. They're looking to be more kind of widespread, more accessible to the market. And they also say they're looking at the long-term potential of the market. So I think that's it's undoubtedly that there there is long-term potential. But as you say, we are seeing um, the uh, uh, ShopRite pulling out. They, they're in the last sort of phase of the regulatory issues for their exit. Um, they are negotiating a deal for the retention of their brand. They have, as you might remember, 25 stores in Nigeria, and the terms of sale have been in- concluded, but they're now looking at the, the nuts and bolts of the deal. So it is interesting, one in and one out. And um, and, and also Pick and Pay says, well, they've, they've done a, uh, got a joint venture partnership with AG Leventus, which is a Nigerian company's, uh, company that's been in West Africa since the 1930s. And they actually pioneered department stores in Nigeria in the 1960s. So they do know a thing or two about retail. But you might remember that Woolworths also went in with the Nigerian yeah. company, who also had experience in the retail sector. And they didn't make it or they, they couldn't, they couldn't uh, do the distance. So I think it really speaks to um, more than just how to navigate the difficulties in that market. It speaks to, you know, the business culture of the investor, the, um, you know, the problems or, or the tolerance for risk in headquarters in, in South Africa, etc. So it's more than just about, you know, um, the, the market itself. I think there's a lot of other issues involved in this kind of um, thing. <clears throat> and I also saw just um, actually just before you, we came, went on that MassMart also results came out and it sounds like they also might be um, selling off some of their uh, rest, <coughs> rest of Africa operations. So that's I, something I ch- to watch. Uh, yeah, I chatted to Mitch Slape about it, and he was quite non-committal. Um, but I've seen subsequent commentary from uh, analysts like Chris Gilmore and others just saying, you know, in the world of Walmart, which is the controlling shareholder in Massmart, Africa really is not coming up to any level of expectation. If you can't see a future market 
Why would you continue throwing money at it? Why would you continue investing? It hasn't worked for a decade. Why would you keep doing something like that? And I suppose that is the big question. I, I wonder, I mean, pick and pay, it sounds like, I mean, they're, they're, it's quite experimental at this stage. They're not you know, throwing a huge amount of money at the market. They're going to try it out. They're going to see whether or not their model works better than perhaps the large supermarket model does. I just wonder in a place like Nigeria, when you're operating, if you do get to scale of 100 or 200 or 500 stores, whatever it might be, smaller format stores, your distribution becomes a a, a great level of excitement um, and and can ultimately be quite difficult, I, I guess. But yeah, this is why the, these guys try things. They try new markets. They try new things all the time. I think for Nigeria, it must be pretty exciting. Well, yeah, I think the thing with pick and pay, uh, yeah, you talk about scale. And that, obviously, Nigeria is a numbers game. If you can't get the numbers, if you don't get the numbers, you're not going to make it. But as you say, it's not only about that either. It is about distribution. It's about currency issues, um, logistical challenges, etc. And 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 how companies, what kind of appetite and ability companies have to deal with all of that. Pick and pay is not a newcomer in Africa. Obviously, they do the rest of Africa. I should say sure. they do have stores in Zambia, etc. But but Nigeria is a different ball game, and I think. Um, uh, they're going to have to move quickly to make it worthwhile. Um, opening one store is really not going to cut it in a market like that. They really hopefully have a plan for a much broader, um, <clears throat> you know, sort of layout in, in due course. So I haven't spoken to them, but um, I look forward to finding mm. out exactly what they're up to there and what their plans are, if they're prepared to share that. I don't know. Have you oh, spoken well, to them? <laughs> no, not, not on this particular topic. And I've got, I've got an interview set up in the next week or two with Richard Brasher. We're going to do a big interview with him. I'm looking forward to that. I get his views because he's a smart retailer. He came from Tesco to help turn around uh, pick and pay and has made huge strides in doing so. Um, so, yeah, I think it's, a, it's, it's an important and exciting story. Talk to me about a, a business called Flutter Wave. I must admit to not having heard of it. It's also a Nigerian business. It actually turns out to be the case, but actually they've made a um, uh, they've, they've done a big deal um, in the last, I think, fortnight or so with PayPal. Um, PayPal has has actually not done business with Nigeria because they feel that there's um, insufficient regulation, high levels of fraud, you know, poor banking security, etc. So it's been a problem that they did not allow merchants in Nigeria to receive payments through their channels. Um, and you know they have 300 million um, odd odd uh, accounts globally. So and and a lot of people in Nigeria. Now, remittances is a big um, a big deal in Nigeria. Everybody wants to get in on that. Huge amounts of money flowing from all over the world into Nigeria, and PayPal has not been part of the action. So Flutterwave, which actually says it's based in in Silicon Valley. Um, and they call themselves a U.S. company. But I think for those of us in the know, they are actually a Nigerian company. They were um, formed by Nigerians, run by Nigerians, et cetera. Um, and so they've done a deal with PayPal to, to bring them to Nigeria. So this is a big deal in the world of sort of online business, of the moving of money um, around uh, into Africa, et cetera. Now, Flutterwave, just to put them in some perspective, they've been one of the big uh, big ticket kind of uh, fintech uh, companies coming um, out of Africa in the last kind of two, three years. And fintech is a very big developing story um, in the world, glo- you know, globally, but also in Africa. So, and Flutterwave just did a $170 million fundraising round in which the company was valued at more than a billion dollars. 
Now, um, you know, this, in the new sort of terminology in this world we live in, a unicorn is is technically a company that's valued at more than a billion dollars. <clears throat> and the only other uh, unicorn in Africa is is um, another Nigerian company, um, which the name suddenly escapes me as I was about to say it. No, I was trying but, to think uh, of it as well, actually. But, yeah, it's it's been a while. Um, they, they came to market about a year ago, but a little more than a year ago, yeah. Yeah, they've been around for a while, but they became they they uh, Visa took a twenty percent stake in the company. I'll think of it as soon as we finish the interview, of course. Of course. But I'm sure um, you know your your listeners will know if they're following that story. So it is a big deal, and what you're seeing is these um, Nigerian and and African fintechs really changing the whole payments landscape. And if you actually do deals online, you will see these kind of names um, coming up and in 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 the in the um, uh, on, online, as, you, as you're doing the deal, you'll see Flutterwave or you'll see um, Paystack is another one, etc. So they they really are starting to change the way business is, is done in Africa, sort of almost um, under the radar a little bit, unless you're following these kind of stories specifically. But this is a very big deal, and this is a very fast-growing company. So, Bruce, I, get, I brought it to you first. So you'll remember um, Flutterwave for a while. I will remember <laughs> Flutterwave for at least the next 17 minutes. Um, and then uh, Egypt, I... I this is a lovely story as well. It's really interesting. A new capital for Cairo, uh, for Egypt rather, just outside of Cairo. Was Cairo just too crumbly and ancient, too congested? What, what's the thinking of the Egyptian government moving the capital city next door? Well, you know, Egypt has, uh, under President al-Sisi, he he's a big thinker, a big planner. And um, he's he's introduced the, the notion of 20 new cities in Egypt because there's everybody is crowded around Cairo. It's a city of 20 million people, um, historical city. So a lot of the infrastructure is old. There's no room to expand, um, etc. So the new city is called a working title, doesn't have a name yet. And the speculation is that he wants to name it after himself. But that's that's a working, uh, you know, that's a project in, in process. But it's currently called the New Administrative Capital, and it's about 45 kilometers east of Cairo. I've actually seen it. I've been there. Um, obviously, it's not operative as, as yet, but um, they are. it's been held up a little bit by, uh, by by COVID. They were due to start moving civil servants there and everything at last year. Uh, that didn't happen. I think there were some funding issues. But now they are planning to start moving the civil servants out of Cairo into this new city in the next couple of months. So it's quite an exciting project. And obviously the idea is like many of these new cities, if you can't deal with the, with the deterioration and the congestion of old cities, you just simply build a new one. And all of these, you know, the superlatives are, are sort of endless. Um, there'll be smart cities, lots of parks, all the museums, you know, everything that a city has ever wanted, they can build it from scratch. So we'll see whether that happens. But, um, you know, it's not the only city that's looking at a country that's looking at this kind of thing. Um, there's, you know, Mumbai, Saudi Arabia has one. Lagos has has a, a kind of almost new city on the on the um, verge of its of its of the of the, the edges of that city, um, etc. So there's a lot of issues and they're huge projects. But um, what's interesting in Egypt um, is the military has become very involved in building these huge mega projects and there's lots of them underway in Egypt and uh, and and El Sisi has been criticized for that saying you know because he's quite an autocratic leader and uh, but he says the military they deliver on time they're used to following orders they do it under budget and and it works for him so the military is responsible for building a lot of infrastructure in in Egypt and it's a fascinating story for anyone who's interested how much is actually happening in that 
country as well as, you know, just including this new administrative capital among many other projects that are going on. Fascinating tales. As always, thank you, Diana Games, Chief Executive of the Business Consultancy Africa at Work. Three tales you'd not heard before.